tonight is not going to be a long message. Uh, we've already done a few things. So it's really just going to be a reminder. I'm only going to go for about 10 minutes or so. But I hope, I hope it will be an encouragement to you. Uh, and this night has been an encouragement for me. Uh, it's, it's always good to come together uh, as a, a group of God's people uh, and to sing praises to Him. But also just to hear from one another about what God has been doing uh, in our lives. And, and I think it, it's, it's so awesome to me to hear the way that God intimately works with us, um, all in different ways, but, but he teaches us and, and he brings us um, along. And as you know, uh, it's the last night service uh, for us. And I hope you would agree, for those who, who do come regularly, that it has been an encouraging year, a year where we've been able to focus on, on what really matters in life, what's really uh, important, to get our eyes centred upon Jesus. And you know, this is something that's not always easy to do. Uh, I think it's very easy to get distracted. And, and one of the things I've actually learned about being married is that it's easy to get distracted and annoyed and worked up about the little things. You know, I think me and Signa have an actual gift in this. <laughs> you know, one of our, one of our first um, debates in our relationship was a very important topic. It was over a microwave, over microwaves in general. I don't know if you can get much more deep than that. But what we were talking about is that, you see, I grew up with most things being, you know, using the microwave often. Uh, meals were cooked in it, things were heated up in it. You know, pretty much what a microwave does, we used it often. And I love microwaves. I think they're brilliant inventions. It's easy to heat things up, it's easy to cook things. Most of my reasoning is behind the fact that it makes things easy. But Signa, well, she's not as much as a fan of microwaves. She didn't grow up using them at all. In fact, she was probably told that they were bad for you um, and not good. And so she believed quite strongly that, that they weren't that great. And so we kind of had this problem that she, I didn't love them, I loved them, and she didn't love them so much. And, you know, it sounds really stupid, and most of the time while we were just jokingly arguing about this, we actually would genuinely get annoyed. And, you know, we've resolved the problem now, it hasn't gone on too far into marriage. We do have a microwave, we do use it from time to time, but not very often. But... So, and we, we still wouldn't actually agree as to whether or not it's beneficial because we've both Googled and found answers to find for ourselves. <laughs> but when we actually look back on this, we always laugh because on the scale of how important issues can be, this is about a 0.1. But it's so easy in life to get consumed and distracted by things that don't ultimately matter. You know, was this microwave really so important in our whole marriage? No, it wasn't. But it was easy to get distracted. And on a bigger scale, we're going to look just briefly at a church that was very distracted. Um, that church is the Corinthian church. Some of you might know about this church. It was a church that was getting caught up in all the wrong things. They were divided with one another. There was division happening all over the place. They had their favourite preachers. This group liked Paul. This group liked Apollos. This group liked somebody else. They were divided because of their sin. There was things happening in the congregation that shouldn't have been happening. There was, there was envy and jealousy and, and strife, and they were competing with one another. They'd made their spiritual gifts like a ranking system. 
Everyone should be doing this spiritual gift. This spiritual gift was better than the other spiritual gift. They were competing against one another. They were getting distracted. It was chaos, and they were getting caught up ultimately in what was not that was what was most important. And so we're going to read from chapter 15. And, and for the first 15 chapters of this uh, letter, Paul's really just been trying to, to sort out some of these issues, to kind of bring the, to attention the way that things should be done. And now in chapter 15, he's going to focus on what really matters. He's going to draw their attention to back, back to what is ultimately most important. And so the verses will be up on the screen. It's chapter 15, and we're just going to read four verses tonight and bring out just a couple of things. Here's what it says. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So we see here Paul straight out reminds them of the gospel which he first preached to them. This is what is important to Paul. He reminds them of the gospel. But also, he goes on in verse 1, and you can see that the gospel has a past aspect to it, a present aspect, and a, and a future aspect in what these verses talk about. And you'll see that. It says, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached you, which you received. This gospel message is something that they have received in the past. It's something that has transformed them. It's dramatically changed their lives. We see that in the Corinthian church. It's something that's had an impact. But he also says it's the gospel in which you stand. This is currently what they are trying to stand on. They stand on the fact that Jesus has died and risen again. This is what they're striving for and believing in. And then Paul says, and by which you are being saved. This gospel is currently saving them. And ultimately this will find its fullest expression when Christ returns and the salvation will be complete. And so he's reminding them this is the gospel. This gospel is of first importance it is the past, present, and future for you, Corinthian believers. And Paul wants to highlight that this is what matters most. And you'll see that in the next verse. In verse 3, I think it's verse 3. Yeah, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. I delivered to you what is of first importance what I also received received. And so Paul is trying to get their focus on this gospel message. And now what he wants to do is give the contents of the gospel. Because the Corinthian church were getting distracted by many other things, and so he gives the contents of the gospel in verse 3. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. 
So what is the, the first thing about this gospel that Paul mentions? He mentions that it's about Christ. The gospel is about Christ. And they would have known that, that, that Christ was God in the flesh. That this real historical event happened. That God came to be with us in Christ. He walked amongst his people. He did many amazing miracles. He healed people. He, he taught them. This is what the gospel was about. It was about Jesus. But that's not all that Paul says. And he doesn't actually even mention much about Jesus' life. He doesn't mention the miracles that he did. He doesn't mention even what Jesus says. But what he mentions is what is most important about Jesus' life. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. This is what is important. This is what makes a difference. It's not, it's not the miracles. It's not the teachings, necessarily. It's that Christ died for our sin. And if you were here this morning at Canterbury, you would have heard and you would have had a picture of just how terrible and dark sin can be. Because I think when we hear the word sin... <laughs> We mention it so frequently that it doesn't really affect us the way it has in the past. We don't really get a full scope for how terrible sin is. That Jesus took this on himself. He took on himself, if you just think about this, the rebellion of the world. The evil, the suffering, the depths of sin upon himself and he died with it like I, I hope that that excites you I hope that that is also at the same time a devastating thought that Christ God himself took our sin upon himself and it's, in a sense here it's like the Corinthians were getting so distracted that they'd forgotten the depth and the weight of this. That he died for our sins. That he took God's wrath upon himself to restore a relationship with God when we believe, when we look to Jesus. Not only that, but he also points out that this wasn't a plan B. This wasn't God's plan B, seeing as the law wasn't working. This was always God's plan. And Paul, you can see that in what Paul says. He died for our sin in accordance with the scripture. Now that scripture at the time would have been the Old Testament. And and essentially what Paul says is that the Old Testament is pointing forward to this one event. It's pointing forward to Christ and him taking the sins of the world upon himself. This is what is of first importance. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 4, he continues, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So he was buried. Why is that important? Well, it's important because I think it shows 
the finality of what happened to Christ. He had died, but not only had he died, but he was buried. It was done. You see, there was actually many different theories around what could have happened to Jesus. And, and Paul here is, is combating that in this, this, um, this chapter, that Corinthians weren't quite believing in the resurrection. And, and some theories around Jesus was perhaps that his body had been swapped or been replaced and that he, he wasn't really dead. But Paul's saying he was He died, he was buried, and lastly, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This Jesus who took sins upon himself was buried, he died, and then he rose from the dead. Now, why why is the resurrection so important? If someone asked you why the resurrection was so important, what would you say to them? I think that was a question that I I couldn't have been able to answer very well uh, earlier in my life. But you see, the resurrection is so important because it shows to us that Jesus' death was acceptable. His sacrifice was acceptable before God. But more than that, it actually shows that that sin and death had been defeated by his resurrection. Sin and death had been dealt with. It was the evidence that it was done. But more, even more than that, the resurrection allows us to come into that relationship. Paul actually mentions this in this chapter later on. He says, if Christ did not rise from the dead, we're still dead in our sins and our faith is nothing. But this gospel, this good news that Christ also rose from the dead means actually that we can live in relationship and more than that, that we've been given by God His Holy Spirit. We've not only died to sin, but we've been saved to live for God's kingdom. And this is possible because Christ rose from the dead. This is the gospel that Paul is trying to remind them of. This is what is of first importance. And this is what Paul wants them to see. And it's like he's saying, don't, don't get distracted in, in all the other things. Don't get distracted from these spiritual gifts or the divisions, the arguments over certain issues. Don't let that get your eyes off what really matters. The main thing, that the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, is the past, present and future of every believer. That's what matters. And tonight, as we we come and praise and worship God, my hope is that this service can serve as that reminder to us. That the gospel is what matters. The gospel is what is of first importance. And the the questions for us to wrestle with is, is that still true of us? Is that what matters? Is that what we dwell upon and reflect upon every single day? That he died for our sins, that he rose again. And if not, what's distracting you from that? What has got your eyes onto something else? 
It could be one of many things. Only you personally know what that may be. But you know, all throughout this year, both in these services and in the young adults as a whole, we've focused our attention onto this gospel. And we did that because we believe that that's where transformation happens. Transformation happens as we better understand God's love for us as revealed in Christ Jesus. That's how we're transformed. And that is what is most important to us, and that is what is most important to us as a church. And if we stop preaching to you that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose from the dead, you have permission to leave this church and go find another church because everything is pointless without that message. This is what is of first importance. And so as we come to this time of year, I find that we have two people. Either things are getting really busy at this time of year or for most of the young girls, things are getting really quiet at this time of year. Depends who you are. But as we come to this time of year, I want to challenge you not to lose focus. To keep pressing into this. To keep getting before yourself every single day the truth of what Jesus has done on your behalf. This will be the thing that keeps you motivated, that keeps you focused, that keeps you remembering what each day is actually all about. Let it be the message that begins and ends your day, that shapes your holidays, that shapes your Christmas, that shapes the conversations that you have with people. We can only even have worship nights like this because of what Christ has done. And so let's remember that. Let's be thankful for that. And let's continue to worship God in all that he's done. And maybe perhaps tonight you have never fully understood that message. And I just encourage you that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything figured out. Christ has died for your sins and he's risen as evidence that they have been dealt with. And so I invite you to step into that, to believe in who he is. But if you're not there yet, to keep asking questions, to come chat to me or Shabu or Nathan or, or anyone else here who is a Christian, they'll be able to tell you and help you with those things. So church, let us remember what is of first importance. Let us get our eyes there. Let us continue to look there. That Christ died. He was buried. He died for our sins and he rose again. Let me pray. And I'll invite the worship team to come up as we finish. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you just for how helpful these nights are to reset our vision, Lord. It's so easy... I know in my life, and and I'm sure in other lives too here tonight, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get caught up in busyness, to get caught up in ministry, to get caught up in so many different things, Lord. To get caught up like the Corinthian church was in so many things. Lord, I just pray that we may be uh, a church here who is known 
for preaching your gospel, known as a people who know the gospel well, who are bold enough to speak it into one another's lives, who are able to remind one another and, and Lord, able to realise more and more the depths of your love for us in Christ Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that you help us. Help us to know that more deeply. Help us each day to get our eyes on this. And Lord, I pray for your forgiveness as well for when we forget, when we allow other things to cloud our vision. And so Lord, um, as we worship you now, I just continue to pray that um, you'll keep our eyes on you and remind us afresh of, of all that you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen.